One of my favorite movies when I was a kid, there's a series of movies. I'm going to see if I can connect with some of the young men in the room, guys my age or maybe a little bit older. But there was a, a series of movies uh, about, a, about a, a guy becoming a man, and, and he fought through a lot of adversity, but he uh, found his place in the boxing world. And uh, he started uh, fighting fights that became pretty big. And uh, there were four or five of these movies, and now they're coming out with some sequels. But how many of you, when you were growing up, would just sit in front of the TV and watch Rocky Balboa? Anybody? Anybody with me on that? I love the Rocky movies. There's something about them at the end of a good Rocky movie. Me and my brothers would, would find our boxing gloves in the, in the yard or something. We'd get out in the yard, and we'd just beat each other to a pulp. I don't know why, but we loved it. And, uh, but Rocky Balboa always had a way of inspiring me. He's the kind of guy who would fight through adversity. His face would just look like a you know, pizza or something after he'd been in a fight. And, but he'd come out the winner somehow. He fought his way through. And, and Well, there's a story. One of, the, one of the Rockies is about Apollo Creed. And uh, Apollo Creed goes, uh, goes into the ring against this huge Russian fighter and it ends up being a real tragedy. Uh, in the ring, Apollo gets killed and he dies. But Apollo Creed has a son. His name is Adonis Creed. And there's some new movies out called Creed. And it's about Adonis Creed and his story of finding himself. This is a picture from the movie. Uh, Adonis there on the left and on the right is, of course, the classic Sylvester Stallone as Rocky Balboa, right? But this story in this movie uh, is all about, believe it or not, fatherhood. You got Adonis who's searching to find his father, Apollo, and he, he, fi- he can't find him. He gets in the ring. He's trying to find him. He ends up discovering who he is as a man and ultimately as, as a father. But in the ring, he doesn't find Apollo, but he actually finds Rocky. Rocky ends up being the guy who's in his corner, sort of cheering him, championing him, coaching him up. Um, but there's a contrasting story of father-son uh, because this, this movie is all about how Adonis is actually fighting. He's the son of Apollo, and he's going into the ring to fight the son of Victor Drago, who's the guy who killed his dad. So the, the conflict here in, in the ring, there's so much um, just, I don't know, tension. But there's two subplot stories that are going on. You've got Rocky, who is the unlikely father figure for Adonis, Creed. And then you've got Victor Drago, who's the big Russian fighter, who's fathering in a whole different way his son. And that story, I won't ruin it for you, but you need to... You need to check it out. I don't necessarily recommend the movie, but um, Victor Drago is raising a son who is his method for getting vengeance. He raises his son through anger and through this like, I'm going to force you to be a machine. And, and his son ends up being a boxing machine. Rocky, though, embraces the gentle nature of a father who pushes well, coaches hard, but loves this young man It's a beautiful story of fatherhood. So today I want to talk to you about the need for fathers. I want to talk to us about the need, not just for fathers, but for spiritual fathers. We all need a spiritual father. One of my favorite things about boxing 
is to listen in to the corner conversations. You know what I mean? I mean, you watch the drama unfold between two men just beating each other. But then when they go to their corners, the bell rings, they go to their corner, and he sits on the stool, and he's got a medical team kind of tending to his wounds. But then his coach gets in front of him. He's like, hey, man, he's just getting you with that right jab. Like, you got to get your arm up, duck away, get your feet moving. He's coaching him up in the corner because he sees things that in the middle of the fight, fighter can't see, but the coach can see. So the coach is speaking to areas that are maybe blind spots for the fighter, trying to help him. He's saying hard truth. Look, he's beating you up, man. When, when he does this, you need to move. And he's coaching him in, in really strategic ways. Here's the truth. We all need that kind of coaching, right? Life is a battle. Life is a fight. And you need somebody in your world who sees what you don't see telling you the truth that you don't know so that you'll change how you're fighting, so that you'll win. Great coaches, man. They, um, they push us. This is great fathers. They push us. They see our blind spots. And they want us to win. That's a, that's a great Father, And we all need a spiritual father. Now, I know it's Father's Day, and so I'm talking to uh, men specifically. But I, I don't want to alienate women. I want to talk to you. Everything I'm teaching about fathering is, is for women as well. It's thinking about spiritual parenting. Investing in those uh, that God has given you. All right? So, I want us to look at the text of Scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. So as you're finding your place there, one thing we do here at Mountain View Church is we want to honor the Word of God. So as you uh, find your place in 1 Corinthians 4, would you stand with me? Uh, This is the most important thing I'll say today is these words, the words from Scripture. So if you'll stand, uh, we'll read the text from 1 Corinthians 4, verses 14 through 21. The Apostle Paul is writing to a church that he started And he sees them as his spiritual children. Here's what he says. I do not write these things to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children. For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. And I urge you then be imitators of me. This is why I sent you Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach them everywhere in every church. Now, some are arrogant as though I were not coming to you, but I will come to you soon if the Lord wills. And I will find not the talk of these arrogant people, but their power. For the kingdom of God doesn't consist in talk, but in power. What do you wish? Shall I come to you with a rod? Or with love in a spirit of gentleness. Paul writing as a father to his children. Let's pray. God, would you be our teacher today? Help us to see ourselves as um, spiritual investors and those who need that kind of coaching. So we need to be coached to be fathered and we also need to pour into the lives of those around us. So our goal today, Lord, is to learn from the Apostle Paul to learn from your example as a father, and Lord, to walk out of here more and more resolved to make disciples who make disciples for Jesus. And we pray in Christ's name. Amen.
Alright, so I hope you got one of the teaching guides. You can follow along with me uh, through that outline. Number one, I want to talk to you about spiritual fathers. We all need spiritual fathers. And number one is this. Spiritual fathers have spiritual children. So that's kind of an obvious statement. But in order to be a spiritual father, you actually have to have spiritual children. And what I'm talking about there is disciples. You've got to have somebody that you're pouring your life into. So the starting point for um, discipleship, for spiritual fathering, is the gospel. What Paul says in chapter 4, verse 15, he says, For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. In Acts chapter 18, you can read the story about how Paul is going through and he lands in Corinth and he stays there and he preaches the gospel. He actually is living probably in the house of Aquila and Priscilla. He has um, shared the gospel with them and they said, hey, you need to stay here. Stay with us and let's share that word here in our city. So he stays in the city of Corinth and he starts preaching the gospel and many people believe. And the crazy thing is this is how the church began. And so Paul shares the gospel, and when someone comes to faith, he thinks of them like his child. I don't know about you, but I will never forget the moment that I became a dad. Um, The anxiety and the fear in my heart leading up to um, that delivery room, I just can't explain it. I'd never been... You know, in the delivery room, well, there was one other time, but I was on a different end of the delivery at that point. But I'd never been there. I didn't know what to expect. Didn't know what to do. I felt totally out of control. And I remember um, being there with my wife and, and I'm afraid for her and her health. I'm worried about this baby. And I feel all the time, I feel like I can't do anything. What can I do? And I'm asking people, how can I help? What can I do? Nothing, Dad. Just stand there. Hold a leg if you want to. Right? Okay. Hold a leg. All right, baby. I'm going to help you. I'm going to coach you. Um, And I I remember that whole process just feeling so out of control and anxious and fearful. And then all of a sudden, here's this child. And all those fears, all those like not knowing what's going to happen and this feeling of um, anxiety is just washed with joy. That little baby, Riley, comes into the world and the doctors hand her to me and I'm holding this little person. And I was just like, oh my word. And just this rush of emotions. I remember weeping and looking at Lauren and she's crying and we're just like, what has happened? I don't know if you're a dad in this room, but if you are, probably you've experienced something like that. There's nothing like that kind of joy watching God bring a life into this world. And Paul writes to these believers and he writes to them. He says, I became your father through the gospel. And I remember sharing the gospel with you and watching God open your heart to Jesus Christ. And watching you be born again gave me a rush of joy. Paul writes like this all the way through the New Testament. Um, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, if you want to find your place there. Here's what he says to them. In verse 11, he says, For you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each of you. We encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God, who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Then at the end of chapter 2, 
1 Thessalonians chapter 2, listen to how Paul talks to this church. He says, For what is our hope of or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? He's talking to these people. You are our glory and our joy. What we ought to learn from Paul is he sees himself as a spiritual father who loves watching people be born again. Watching people hear the gospel and be born into their faith. And watching those children grow and walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Now if you've got older children who are walking with Jesus, doesn't it just light your heart on fire? And give you just a sense of like, thank you, God. You know, we screwed up, but you still did it. (laughs) Doesn't it just make you so proud and so happy and so thankful and so full of joy? That's what we're talking about here, about making disciples is this picture of fatherhood. Spiritual fathers have spiritual children. So to be a spiritual father... You must start making and raising spiritual children through the gospel. To be a spiritual father, you've got to share the gospel. You've got to teach people the word of God in the gospel. You've got to share the truth. To be a spiritual father, you've got to make that investment. And I want to challenge you men, women alike in this room. Share the gospel. I've got a a friend of mine from a previous ministry and almost every week this week he called me twice almost every week he calls me to tell me about a conversation he's had where he's shared the gospel and I love that he does that we made a commitment years ago that hey anytime you share the gospel I want you to call me text me tell me about it because that challenges me it encourages me to do it too so usually every week he calls me he's an evangelist man this brother loves to tell people about Jesus And this week he called me twice. He had two different times. Um, He's a cancer survivor. And that's like his, he tells his story of how God has rescued him from cancer. And he just uses that as as an end to tell people about Jesus Christ, who's their hope. It's amazing. I hope that you are sharing the gospel, having spiritual children through the gospel. Secondly, spiritual fathers take responsibility. Spiritual fathers take responsibility. They take ownership of their kids. I'm talking about not just the children in your home, okay? As I talk about children, I'm not just talking about your biological children. I'm talking about those over whom the Lord has entrusted you. He's given you um, responsibility in their life spiritually. So spiritual fathers take responsibility. We look at this letter. What you have here in this letter is Paul taking responsibility for people who came to faith in Christ under his teaching. He, he shared the gospel with them. They came to faith. He started a church and then he left to do it again. And now that church is having some issues. And Paul writes this long letter. He sends Timothy. And he says, I'm coming. If I can come, I'm going to come. I need to be with you because I'm your dad. I lo- I'm your father in Christ and I love you. And things are not going like they should. And I need, somebody needs to speak into you to shape that. I'm, I'm going to be there. I'm coming. If I can get there, I'm coming. Paul took ownership. He 
took responsibility. You know, fathers feel the weight of their love for their kids. You know that? Like when things are not going right, a father um, is willing to step into that world. Let me ask you, who's two questions here. Who is taking responsibility for you? Who is it in your life that speaks into you? Who is it that calls you or says, hey, let's get together and, and says, hey, man, I, I've been seeing this or that. And this is probably not what needs to be happening. Who is it that is able to get in your corner and coach you and speak the hard truth to you like you're getting beat up, man. He's getting you. The enemy is getting you with that hook. And when, when this ha- you've got to do that. Who speaks to you like that? Who's fathering you is what I'm asking. Because all of us need it. Every one of us needs someone investing in us. And then the second question is this. Who are you taking responsibility for? Ladies, what, what younger women in the faith are you investing the gospel into their lives? What younger men, fellas, are you pouring your life into? Certainly your children in your house, for sure. But outside of that, that bubble... Who else are you pouring your life into and fathering through the gospel? Um, The beauty of this story is that Paul says in 1 Corinthians er, 4, he says, You have many guides, but you do not have many fathers. I became your father through the gospel. I urge you then, be imitators of me. And you would expect his next statement to be, I'm coming. So you can see what that's like. So you can follow my example. But his next statement is this. I urge you then be imitators of me. That's why I sent you Timothy. This is where we see Paul as the master spiritual father. Because he's done such a great job discipling up Timothy. That he's willing to say, Timothy, I'm going to send you to Corinth. Because I know you will represent me well. I've invested my life into you so much that I trust sending you will show them how I live. And you even see that in the text. He says, I'm going to send you Timothy. I'm sending Timothy to you so that you to remind you of my ways in Christ. He trusts that Timothy lives so much like him that he can send Timothy in his place. Is there somebody in your life that you've invested in so much that you'd feel comfortable going, hey, I'm going to send him in my place? He'll show you everything I would show you. Is there anybody that you're that invested in? And if you're not, I think we need to follow this example that Paul gives of investing our lives into another. Spiritual fathers take responsibility. Thirdly, spiritual fathers love well. Spiritual fathers love well. The love of a father is raw and real. It's both gentle and tough. Um, I'll tell you a story. When I was a kid, my, my dad bought me and my brothers fishing rods one year for, I don't know, the summer. I guess he wanted to take us fishing, so he bought fishing rods for us. And we were, um, he tied like these little weights on the end of the line, and we got out in the yard, and we were going to learn to cast. And so we... Uh, we got out in the yard and we'd, we'd set up little targets all throughout the yard. You know, this tree over there, that's worth 10 points. And that rock over there, that's 10 points. And if you can get all the way to that rock, that's 30 points. Who's the closest, right? 
So we got out in the yard. And we're, just, we're just casting, trying to practice, keep it from bird nesting and all of that. Well, I get out in the yard and I've got, I'm the youngest of three boys. The other guys, man, they're just, they're killing it. Well, I'm like, I'm not good, you know, I'm, I'm learning. And so uh, I get out in the yard and I got my rod and I, I cast it and the line goes right over the power line that feeds the house. And it went over and sort of wrapped its way around the power line a little bit, a couple of times. And I was like, oh man. And my brother's just like, ha! You know, they're just doing their thing. So I thought, I gotta get that down. So I go in the garage, and my dad has this long metal pole that he used to pick the pears off a tree. It had a cup on the end of sort of his little cherry picker. And a long metal 15-foot pole. I was like, that's what I need. (laughs) So I grab this pole, and I'm walking out to the main power line that feeds our house. Okay, real smart. You got a smart pastor. (laughs) So I'm walking out to the power line, and just about 18 inches from the shock of my life, I don't know father's intuition. I don't know what happened. But my dad barges out the door and he's like, drop it. And it's the scariest voice I'd heard up to that point in my life. It was just so angry sounding that I just dropped it. And I turned and looked and he was just like, what are you doing? You know. And if you'd heard the sound of his voice and probably the look on his face, you might have thought it was anger. But what was that? That's love, isn't it? That's love because a father sees and knows what I don't see and know. All I see is I want that fishing line down. I'm going to get that thing down. But the father sees and knows things that I don't see and know. He sees my blind spots and he's willing to get in my corner and go, don't do that. That's not a good path for you. Um, I'm a dad now. I've got three little girls. And uh, we live on a dead-end street. And my children are spoiled because it is a dead-end street. There's not tons of traffic on our, on our road. Uh, but we now have really good friends right across the street. And um, my children run across the street as if there's no danger. And so from time to time, if you live in our neighborhood, you might hear me sound incredibly angry. When I'm yelling at my kids, get out of the road, because I see and know that they're going to get squashed in the road, right? And so I I don't yell at them because I don't love them. I, I yell at them because I do love them. Believe it or not, that is one of the principles that Paul teaches in this passage. When he talks about love, he says, you are my beloved Children, my beloved. That word beloved is agapetos in the Greek. And it's, it's, it comes from the word agape. Agape is God's love. It's not phileo. That's brotherly love. It's not eros. That's romantic love. Agape is God's love. It's the kind of perfect love that's a one-way love. It's the kind of love that's willing to say and do hard things because it loves you even if that hard thing, you're not going to like it. That's the kind of fatherly love. I got petas. You're my beloved children. And it's the kind of love that loves us in these three ways, at least. Paul gives us three ways in this text of how fathers love us well and how we as fathers should love well. And here they are. First one is this. He says, I'm not saying these things to shame you. I'm saying these things to admonish you. That word admonish is what I just described. 
It's where you see pending danger and you say the hard things. The word admonish means to warn or rebuke because there's danger. The word admonish means that you see that the course they're on is not leading in a good direction. And so you step in and admonish and say, you've got to change course. I see what you don't see and you wait. The way you're headed is trouble. Change course. Son, drop that metal pole. That's trouble. That's admonishing. It's loving well. And as disciple makers, as those who are investing in spiritual children, we've got to be willing to say the hard things. We have to admonish. Secondly, he says, I urge you, therefore, verse 16, be imitators of me. So Paul fathers them through his example. He says, I'm going to set the pattern. If you'll just do what I do, you're going to be okay. I'm going to show you what it's like to follow Christ. And let me say to us that this is the most important piece. Fathers, if you're constantly telling your children to do things that you don't do, that doesn't work. If you're constantly telling your kids you really need to read the Bible and pray, But you don't read your Bible and you don't pray. It won't work. They will follow your example more than they will follow your words. And Paul says, as your spiritual father, I'm going to set the pattern. And if you'll just do what I do, you're going to be okay. As spiritual fathers, we've got to do the same. Love with an example. Thirdly, he says, "I, I love you by how I teach. In verse 17, he says, as I teach them everywhere in every church. So Paul teaches. He doesn't just tell them what they're doing wrong. He gets in their corner and he coaches them with how to do it right. And Paul teaches. That's what good fathering is. So what do you teach? And how do you teach? Well, this is old stuff, y'all. But Deuteronomy chapter 6, God gives to Moses what He wants us to teach and how He wants us to teach it. Deuteronomy 6, He says this in verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. This is what you teach. Now, how do you do it? These words I command you today, they shall be on your heart. Now, they're on your heart. Now, what do you do with them? Verse 7. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. So when you're sitting in the house, when you're going to bed, when you're getting up, when you're walking down the road, basically all the time talk about these things of God, loving God. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be frontless between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. So as you're coming and as you're going, you need to see the law of the Lord, the truth of God. You need to see it, be reminded of it, speak it into your kids constantly. This is what it means to teach, to love well, to be a spiritual father and love well. Um. Quick illustration in this. When, when I was dating my wife, she was in college. I was a little older. So I was coming around, hanging out at her apartment. And um, 
her apartment at, at, at JSU was right next to some other guys. And uh, those young men I got to be good friends with. You know, they were right next to the girl I was interested in. So I thought, hey, this is good. So I, I buddied up with those guys. And, I mean, we just we did crazy stuff. We went skydiving together. We played volleyball into the middle of the night together. We just, I hung out with those guys. We built some great friendships. And one of those guys was getting ready to graduate from college and he grabbed me and he, he just pulled me aside and he was like, man, I'm not sure that I'm getting a degree that I want to do. I don't know if I want to do this with my life. And he was really struggling. And so I was like, hey, man, I'm, I'm just going to sleep on the couch here at y'all's place. Let's talk about this. And that morning, the next morning, we, I said, let's go to Waffle House. We'll talk. We went to Waffle House and we sat and we talked. And um, I had a, a really good fathering moment with him. And the Lord had given me a lot of investment in his life up to this point. But it was at this point where I said, listen, Brandon, whatever God leads you to do, spend your life investing in other young men. And I just encouraged him in the ways that God had gifted him and that God wanted to use him. And I said, man, if you just give your life to investing in other young men. And I took a napkin there at Waffle House. And I took my pen and I just took that napkin and, and began to write um, on, on there. And I drew a little, a little family tree, I guess, of the people who had discipled me. And I was discipled and under this line now I have I have fathered and discipled these young men you know and, and then uh, I said hey um, here you are on this list where God has allowed me to invest in your life and now the big question is who's underneath you who how are you going to fill in this gap on this little family tree how are you, how are you going to spend your life filling the gap of who are your disciples? Who are your children in the Lord? Well, Brandon went to University of Texas to work with a company called Young Life. And that's what he does. He spends his life, he and his wife and their three children now, investing in college young men. He's doing exactly what I encouraged him to do. And he's pouring his life into those guys. And about every three or four months, he'll send me a text and he'll say, hey man, just had a Waffle House napkin conversation. And I'm like, yes. And it's that continual investment. You pour into one guy, he's pouring into somebody else, he's pouring into somebody else. And the question I want to have for you and for me is, who are you fathering in the Lord? Who are you investing in? And who's investing in you? It's got to be both ways. You've got to have it coming in and you got to have it going out. All of us need it. The best example we have of spiritual fathering is the Heavenly Father. So I want to finish up this morning with hopefully an encouragement that is very practical that you can take away, especially you dads. I want to speak to you for the last five minutes. In your Bibles, take, take your Bibles and go to Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3, at the end of this chapter, Jesus is baptized. And this is one of a few places where the Father's voice is audibly heard from heaven. Now those standing around said it sounded a bit like thunder, but they were able to perceive the words of what the Father said about His Son. And they wrote it in the Scriptures for us. 
because they knew it would be good for us to hear. So in Matthew chapter 3, verse 17, we read the voice of the Heavenly Father speaking publicly over His Son. Now I want you to see what's happening here, fathers especially in the room. This is a model for us. Now it's, it's obviously bigger than just a model. It's the Father's endorsement of His Son, Jesus, as the Christ. Okay, that's the primary. But secondary, He's giving us a model, fathers for how we can speak over our sons and daughters. So here we see the Lord, the Heavenly Father. In verse 17 it says, And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. And I love another translation because it breaks it down into three little pockets that are helpful. The other translation, I wrote it on your notes. It says, This is my Son, whom I love, And with whom I am well pleased. you got three little brackets here and I want to tell you. Every child, spiritual child and biological child, needs these three things from you, Dad. Every child needs these three things. One, they need to know you accept them. This is my son. The father says, this is my son. That's a a word of acceptance. And that son, Jesus, could look up and go, that's my dad. It's this acceptance. I'm, I'm, I'm brought in. I have a place to belong. There's someone to whom I belong. And every child needs a father who says, he's my son. She's my daughter. <clears throat> Secondly, you not only need acceptance, but every child needs from their father affection. The heavenly father says, this is my son whom I love. My son whom I love. Men in the room, don't be afraid to say, I love you to your kids. Don't be afraid to wrap them up, give them a kiss on the cheek. Even if they don't like it, they do like it. Say, I love you. Look them in the face. I love you. Say those words. Mean those words. Show those words. Affection. This is my son whom I love. Every child needs acceptance Every child needs affection. And thirdly, every child from their father needs affirmation. The father's voice from heaven says, with whom I am well pleased. I am so proud of my boy. This is my son whom I love and I am so proud of him. He gives me such joy is what the father says. And every child needs that from their dad and their mom. Needs acceptance, affirmation, affection. Every child does. Um, To this day, I still look to my dad. And when my dad says to me, son, I'm so proud of you. There's something in my heart at 38 years old that just says, man, I needed to hear that. It matters. And I don't think it'll ever not matter. So as a dad of young children, I'm constantly trying to find the things that I can say, I'm so proud of you. I don't know if you watched that video. There was a moment where the video went from laughing to emotional. And it was that moment where the child asked the father, what do I do that makes you proud? And it was in that moment that both of them start to tear up because affirmation is so incredibly important. So I want to tell you dads in the room especially. Let me say first of all, 
Thank you for being a dad to your kids. Thank you. It matters. I want to tell you, when you go from here, give your children these things. Acceptance, affection, and affirmation.